Hello, listener. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Well, Jay and Mike like scary movies, too. You should go and subscribe to their podcast. We watched a movie. Because if you don't, I'll gut you like a... Well, I think you get the idea. Enjoy yourselves while you still can. What's up, guys? I am Mike, and I see dead boobies. Movies. I see dead movies all over the place. This is the show where we talk about movies that aren't necessarily popular, that aren't superhero movies. They're not franchise movies. They're just fun, strange, 90s, weird movies that could be horror, action, whatever. But the forgotten movies that aren't connected to super universes and all this other shit, then I like that stuff, too. But this is just for the rest of them. Movies that aren't going to be popular. And guarantees that no one will listen to the show. So we can take our wangs out. No, we're not going to do that today. But, hey, two movies today. We're going to do two movies this week. Because last week we did three movies. And we're just trying to feel things out around here. Turn off the lights and feel around. And, you know, I'm going to try two. I felt a little bit like I was trying to squeeze it out there with, with, with doing three at the same time. Maybe we'll go back to three. I don't know. We play it by ear around here. No planning whatsoever. But today we've got two movies. We've got 1992's Raising Cane starring John Lithgow, a Brian De Palma movie. Holy shitty biscuits. That is a weird one. A weird one. A first time watch that I've never seen. It is a drama slash mystery slash horror. We'll get into it. And then the other film is Man's Best Friend, which is a fucking trip as well. It stars Lance Henriksen about a bioengineered dog that goes on goes straight up Cujo style. But uh yeah, which one do you guys want to do first? Well, you can't fucking talk, can you? You can say it out loud all you want to, and I won't fucking hear you. The video version of this is being uh, put on our Patreon, by the way. You can check that out down the link below. Almost 100 movie commentaries, hundreds of extra videos, all sorts of cool shit you can get there, so we appreciate that. If you want to check that out and you want to see the video version of this, which I'm not sure why you'd want to see it, but if you do, I'm naked emotionally. That's all. So let's start with Raising Cane because that's the one I got pulled up. So 1992, hour 32 minutes. You do have to rent this one, which kind of sucks unless you find it on the high seas or whatever. I believe it used to be on HBO Max, but in the, the giant erasure of that fucking platform, they've gotten rid of it too. It's been sitting in my my list on HBO Max for like months and months and months. I didn't know shit about it except for this badass cover of of all people, uh, John Lithgow. You know, I hate to bring this up, but you are married to the perfect man. I don't know. Car popped up out of Half Moon Marsh. Had a woman's body in it. And he's becoming awfully compulsive with Amy. He doesn't just take care of her. He studies her. What do we got now? Two moms disappear from the same playground. You could get us all put away for good. I have this horrible feeling that it has something to do with his father. I did nothing. It was Bobsy! It's my wife. You saw us in the park together, didn't you? I'm not going to let that loving wife of yours sell you down the river. Give me my child! What do you think? I think... And it's split in half. And it reminds me of... It's got that weird, like, 
the one half, like the dark side of them, has this weird, like uh, when you're developing photos, that creepy negative side look to it. And it just reminds me of the bad guy from Passenger 57. I think maybe it's the it's the opening or something, or, or when he's going through the x-ray, they just have this cool effect. And Passenger 57 is another great one. We'll have to do that sometime, because I don't think it's talked about nearly enough. But uh, Wesley Snipes always bit on black. Uh, awesome fucking movie. But yeah, uh, Raising Cain, the IMDb synopsis of this is a crime drama horror, which is the oncologist wife of a prominent child psychologist suspects her husband has an unhealthy scientific obsession with their child, unaware of what or who is really going on inside his head. I thought this was an action movie, just looked at like an action thriller based on it. It's not. It's a fucking trip, man. It is a trip. It's a De Palma type of feels like uh who's that dude who does the weather um great like a david lynch ish thing it's not that wild but just got that vibe to it it's so weird so brian de palma right you guys know who brian de palma is one of my favorite shots in the movie industry is the de palma shot where you've got one person really close to the camera and then in the background the scenes going on behind him. you have to see it to know what i'm talking about. just google it if you don't know i'm sure if you give a shit enough to listen to this podcast you probably already know i think it's one of the coolest shots in the business and i love looking like a fucking cinema nerd whenever i see it in a movie i'm like that's the de palma shot i don't know why i went chandler right there that's the de palma shot he said that was a terrible impression of Chandler right after I accidentally did Chandler. You get the point. But no, Brian De Palmer, man. De Palma, not De Palmer. Uh, he has not directed in, in three years, it looks like. Just checking out his IMDb now. But man, this guy has done some fucking movies. He's got a topsy-turvy, very topsy-turvy IMDb uh, filmography for sure. From Blowout to, let's see, I'm just scrolling through here, the ones that I, that I really know. Obviously, Scarface. Uh, body double dressed to kill a Bruce Springsteen dancing in the dark. The untouchables guy loves Bruce Springsteen, by the way, Carlito's way mission impossible. I don't, th- I don't think, I-, I think that skipped my brain that he directed the original mission impossible mission, impossible mission, impossible movie mission to Mars snake eyes. It's all over the place. The black Dahlia. Um, it's a weird, weird director for that. Brian De Palma is, but yeah. And it stars John Lithgow, right? Guys, the first thing I'll say about this movie is John Lithgow is fucking weird. It's so weird. Like the, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us, when we think about John Lithgow, what do you think when you think about John Lithgow? I think immediately the show, um, which now I can't think of. I want to keep wanting to say 30 Seconds to Mars, which it obviously is not. It's, um, God damn it. What's that? It had Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. I think it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Man. What the hell? I'm going to spend 20 minutes trying to figure out who, what the fucking name of that show was. Something more. Third Rock from the Sun. Thank you, Christ. I should quit what I'm doing. But I was thinking of him from Third Rock from the Sun or Orange County. Uh, the dad from Orange County. I will literally eat your face. John Lithgow's an awesome actor. He's a funny dude, but he plays way out of his element in this movie. Um, it's just so weird. So. I read you the IMDb plot line. It does not do what this plot is justice. I'll just have to lead you along bit by bit as we go. In Raising Cain, it starts out, he's at a playground, and one of his wife's friends has her kid at the playground. He's like, oh, well, she was supposed to be here. I think she forgot to pick us up. She's like, I'll give you a ride. He's like, okay. So he gets in the car with her and his kid and her kid, and John Lithgow just has that weird voice. You know, like the the dad he plays in the... um daddy's home too like this over the top super nice sounding like 
kind of sort of creepy voice that's going on. Also, great bad guy in, in Cliffhanger, by the way. Just got to throw that out there. So that's Sloan's Cliffhanger. But he's just got kind of a creepy, strange, like, but also warm voice. It's very strange. So when he's talking to this woman, he's so over the top and the camera's so close to his face at all times. And he's like, he's like, you know, it'd be good for little Billy if he did this research thing that we're taking our daughter to do. Yeah, we go out in the middle of fucking nowhere in this country, in the middle of nowhere. And we watch like five kids and and we just raise them and and we really pay attention to their to developmental traits and it starts out sounding like a normal conversation but then it develops into that yeah for we watch him for years in this undisclosed location and he's trying to talk her into it and obviously she's like no you fucking wacko i'm not gonna let you take my kid to you and your dad's strange child developmental thing and he's like oh and he starts to get mad and he starts to like yell at her and he's like spitting and like screaming she's like hey buddy calm down chill like it's okay and then the next thing you know he's pulling chloroform out <laughs> he's well, first off, motherfucker had sand in his pocket from the playground, and he starts sneezing. When he gets angry, he starts sneezing and sneezing and sneezing, and then he starts sneezing on her, <laughs> and she's driving the car, and he's sneezing on her, and the next thing you know, he pulls out what I'm guessing is sand out of his fucking pocket, and he sneezes it into her eyes. So she obviously can't see, and she's like, what the fuck did you just sneeze did sand just come out of your i don't know what she thought was happening but he's like oh i'm so sorry i just sneezed right in your fucking face so <laughs> it's so weird she pull, he pull, helps her pull the car over then he chloroforms her and the next thing you know you start to get a glimpse at what this movie is going to be like because in the window there's these there's these runners joggers coming through so he knows he's fucked he's it's the jig is up he's going to be caught and his whole plan obviously is to steal her kids since she wouldn't let him have her but he knows that he's about to be caught and he's in the passenger seat with this passed out woman. And the whole scene's just hilariously weird. And then another John Lithgow shows up. Yeah. Like fucking Eddie Murphy type shit. Uh, you know, nutty professor type shit. Another John Lithgow shows up in the window. And this one, this is where it gets hokey because you're expected to believe John Lithgow is like Brad Pitt and fight club. He shows up and he's got like your dad's members only leather jacket on. And like sunglasses and he's smoking a cigarette and he's like, you're a big pussy. We all know you can't do it. So I'm here to take care of it for you. And you know, automatically it's his alternate personality. The movie tries to play you like these are actually two people, but you know, automatically this is a me, myself and Irene type situation, a primal fear type situation. And he's got a split psyche, but John Lithgow sitting in the car with John Lithgow, with Lithgow, a big whiny spastic John Lithgow with like, John Lithgow, who's trying to be Brad Pitt in Fight Club. He's trying to be a badass. And he's like, you just don't have the guts to do what needs to be done. But he instead he comes off as fucking Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man 3 trying to be the, uh, you know, the emo Spider-Man. You know, <laughs> he's like, now dig on this. He's like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this girl down to the river. He's like, the cat is in the bag and the bag is in the river. <laughs> he looks like the kid from Weird Science when he gets drunk. And he's like, chicks can't handle their booze. <laughs> exactly what he sounds like why it just does not work at all but it is entertaining to watch you will laugh your tits off you laugh your sick fucking asses off watching this you really will and uh i, I enjoyed the shit out of it as bad as it was but yeah so that starts uh, oh, just a wild and crazy movie where he also plays his own dad 
And his dad's like, I don't know if he's Russian or what. I don't know what the the accent he was doing there, but he was doing like this Monopoly man thing where his dad's back at this hotel and he's waiting for him to bring these kids to him so they can do this weird fucked up social experiment. Now, I'm not going to give away every spoiler in this, just light ones, because if you want to watch it, there's so many goddamn layers and twists and things like that. And I feel like a lot of people haven't seen this movie and it's a ride. It's a ride you want to go on. It's stupid as fuck. But if you're in the mood to watch, like I get why people love to watch old school slasher movies like slumber party massacre type shit just for the dumb laughs and the weird kills and stuff like that but to me a lot of them are the same right they're just the exact same thing over and over again movies like this that were from the 90s that were weird and failed at a lot of what they tried to do but also had like earnest intentions that have strange 90s isms to them are is way more entertaining for me because they're really trying to do something wild and out there. But watching it from a perspective of 2022, it's just, it's really funny and entertaining at times. But, and don't get me wrong, there is the, the, the shocking thing about this movie is the way it's shot, the De Palma shots in this. There's an NP scene that is so impressive. It's one of the most impressively shot moments in film I've ever seen. And I shit you not, as weird and kooky as this movie is, and we'll, we'll continue to get into why, there's one particular shot of this in the final set piece where there is three different things happening at once on three different floors. All of them are tied in together. There's the top balcony, there's the second balcony, and then there's the floor of like this hotel. And there's this situation with this this truck with this sharp-ass thing coming out of it that you just know something bad's going to happen, and it's driving backwards, and the guy's driving it. You go up to the second layer, and these there's guys fighting, and then you go up to the top layer, and there's this other stuff going on. And there's a kid about to drop off a roof and it's falling down and the camera slowly pans down in what looks like a one track shot down floors, not going down the steps, mind you, just like, it's just one of the coolest, you know, the shot in panic room and it's all CG, the shot in panic room where it's like the camera's flying through the panic room, through the walls and shit like that over and over again. It's De Palma does that without CG. All of these things, this, it's like it's like a, a a Newton's law type of thing. I don't know how to explain it. Like if you drop the ball, and like ten different events, like a domino effect, were happening at the same time, and then he drops you from floor to floor as you see it all unfold. It's fucking masterful, man. And it's something that I, I bet a lot of people don't even like. You notice it, but like I bet I, I just the thought of how he fucking crafted that and how hard that scene was to do, man, it's really impressive. It's one of the most impressive shots I've ever seen on film. Now, back to how kooky and weird this fucking movie is, man. It's so goddamn weird. It's just so fucking weird. So you got John Lithgow playing. And look, I think John Lithgow's a good actor, but I think he was very, very miscast in this movie. For funny purposes, he's great. But if you want this movie to be taken super seriously, it's, it can't be done with John Lithgow. No offense, John Lithgow. And he could be a serious actor. This just calls for way too much scenery chewing, just wildness. Um, and so he's, he's his wife. We got to get into this because they're at the store with the kid and his wife is played by Lolita Davidovich and Lolita Davidovich plays a character who is a giant slut. I mean, God damn worst wife ever award. Fucking what's your address? Because we're sending it to you. Congratulations, you won. She's awful. She's fucking horrible. And there's like weird moments in this too. Like at one point he just goes up and he's like, and watching John Lithgow see his wife laying in her panties on the bed and be like, oh, I'm going to put the kid down because it's time to 
fuck? And John Lithgow's like fixing his hair and like unbuttoning his slacks, the completed fucking slacks while he walks over to her like all sexual and starts just like squeezing her boobies and stuff. And she's like, oh, yeah. It's so fucking awkward because it's John Lithgow, man. He's so, to quote Jim Carrey, Magoo! It's just the way he is. And I love John Lithgow, but still. Anyways, her character in this is awful. She runs into this dude from her past. She's in the clock store buying John Lithgow a clock, like a, an old Tiffany's desk clock, which reminds me of Liar Liars. She's like, Tiffany's. Did you get this from Tiffany's? He's like, yard sale half off or whatever. Um, <laughs> and she's she's buying this little desk clock or whatever form, right? And then all of a sudden, the character of Jack walks in. Character of Jack, which is played by Stephen Bauer, whose face is so fucking noticeable. As soon as you see him talk, you're like, who the fuck is that guy? Fun fact, he's in Primal Fear as well. He plays Pinero in uh in final in Primal Fear, but he was in Scarface. It's fucking Manny from Scarface. And he's so goddamn weird and strange in this movie. He plays it straight, but it's just fucking weird. And so <laughs> he's like, he walks up to her and he's like, hey. After the funeral, and she's like, "Oh my god, take me now!" Like you can see it in her face, she's like struck by this guy. John Lith goes out. Her husband is outside of the shop playing with her child, and she doesn't know he's evil at this point, and and has a kid that he stole in a hotel room somewhere with his dad. Um, she doesn't know that yet. But oh, by the way, the scene I mentioned earlier when he went to fuck her. The reason they stopped fucking is because he heard a child crying because the kid he stole from that lady was still just chilling, passed out in its car seat in the back of his fucking car outside. <laughs> Dude was begging to get caught. But anyway, yeah, he takes him to a hotel where his dad is, and he's trying to collect at least five kids so they can do, go do their weird fucking study. But she runs into this guy, meanwhile, and she doesn't know all this. And her husband's outside playing with her kid, and she's just wet as shit for this fucking dude and he walks up he's like after the funeral i'm sorry about what happened i just couldn't take any more love or pain or i couldn't feel anything some wild dramatical shit and meanwhile the camera zoomed way too close to everyone at all times i could see the fucking germs on his teeth it was so close to him but he's like yeah if you want to talk meet me at the hotel which you know what he means by talk he means he wants to you know butt fuck or something but she goes and She's super hoish about it. She even talks to her friend. And she's like, and her friend's like, you have the perfect husband. He's a perfect guy. She's like, no, the other day we were having sex and he stopped and just left. And it's like, well, I mean, that doesn't sound like an excuse to go fuck your ex-boyfriend. And then we find out that not only does she go and bang this dude in the fucking woods. By the way, it's the weirdest sex scene ever because this woman has the most awkward moan on earth. She just goes, oh, oh, oh. Oh, like over and over again. I realized what I just did sounded just like kind of like a normal moan. Some of you may have been turned on by it. And for that, I apologize if you're driving or eating sandwiches. But it's just you got to see it. It's just like the fakest. Oh, uh, uh, and it goes on for like fucking 17 minutes. But nothing she does makes any goddamn sense. No choice that she makes makes any sense. She buys him a clock as well, then gets the clock confused. She's banging her this guy in the in the right next to a children's park. They're banging right next to a children's park in the leaves. And she wakes up in her bed like Tony Soprano. Did that happen? I don't know. And then another time she goes to his hotel because she realized that she actually gave him her husband's gift. So then she goes to the hotel. He grabs her. They start banging. She wakes up again. 
and she thinks that she saw John Lithgow's character there. She just can't remember. It's a fever dream. It's very confusing how they make it all seem. But anyways, when you find out the, the backstory between her and Jack, the dude she's fucking around on her husband with, he tells this awkward ass story about how she was his doctor or nurse when his wife was dying. His wife was sick and dying and he was deeply in love with her. He was there every night and she desperately wanted to suck his pain, take his pain away. That's what she said. And then one night standing in front, standing in front of his dying fucking wife on her deathbed. They're watching the, the ball drop. And she kisses him on the cheek and says, Happy New Year. And then they start fucking making out. And then in the reflection, he sees his wife's eyes open. And then she fucking dies. Because she saw this whore making out with her husband. Finishes her off. No wonder he fucking left. But he's back because he's real horny. And that's that's kind of how that fucking cookie crumbles. That's That's the kind of woman that we're dealing with here. So, yeah. There's also these police. <laughs> There's these people that keep going missing in the park and keep dying in the park. And when his wife goes missing, we start to focus on the investigation around it. So, and you've got these these detectives of which people you'll know. Greg Henry is one of the guys who you'll know. He's in Gar- he's the grandpa from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the bad guy Val in Payback. He's in Slither as well as Jack McCready or Mac ready, however you want to say that he's one of the detectives. Uh, the cast is really good. And this has got all sorts of little people in here that you would know from other stuff that you've seen in other things. And then also, um, Sergeant Callie played by Tom Bauer. Uh, we find out that. Oh, and Oh yeah. Okay. So we, we focus on the detective. Sorry. I'm getting all over the place here. We focus on the detectives and we find out that his dad has been arrested before. And his dad jumped bail and escaped to this strange country and they couldn't extradite him, but they caught him trying to steal like kids before and do weird fucking kid shit before. And then this, this psychiatrist shows up and, uh, and Dr. Waldheim, who's played by Francis Sternhagen. And you've seen her in a bunch of shit. I guarantee it. She has just one of those faces. She was in the mist. She was in misery. She was in outland. She's just been in a bunch of shit. You'll know her face when you see it. She's old as shit, even in this movie. So she shows up and she explains that she helped that guy write a book until she figured out that he was a fucked up kid abductor and then refused to take any money from it. But she's the expert on what this guy did. And what his dad did, you find out, was do all this fucked up shit to him since he couldn't get five kids. He broke his mind and made five kids in his brain, which is why he has these multiple personalities. And I'm already getting a little too deep into spoilers, but trust me, I'm not ruining the total weirdness of this goddamn movie. So that's just how deep into the bucket this goes. And half of it's very plot holy. It doesn't make any sense. None of the movie really connects. There's just strange fucking scenes. And then there's murder scenes. There's not a whole lot of violence in it or even nudity or anything like that. But it's just, obviously there's just weird fucking shit that happens at one point. John Lithgow, there's this lady smoking a fucking cigarette, and she's like, hey, will you give me a ride? And he's like, yeah. She's like, hold the baby. I got to take a piss. And she goes in the bed. She's like, by the way, for an older man, I need to start dating an older man. You're looking pretty fucking good right now. Hold my baby. I got to take a dump in the, in the 
in the men's room over here. So obviously he takes the kid, he just puts it in the back seat. He's gonna steal the fucking kid. Meanwhile, he's holding a pocket knife, like getting himself all juiced up to kill this lady. And this little kid comes out of the bathroom with a man's goddamn voice, and it's like, You're about to do a bad thing. I'm gonna tell on you. <laughs> and then runs away. And it's explained later, but it's just the kind of weird fucked up shit that happens in this movie that just makes you laugh your ass off and also keeps you entertained through watching that lady moan for 12 minutes but yeah throughout all the multiple personality stuff through all the weird shit that happens there's a little bit of crime stuff there's weird ass performances from john lithgow playing like five different characters including a woman named Margot, which is fucking hilarious the last shot of this film if it doesn't make you cry laugh i don't know what will i, I don't know what will and it's, it's meant to be serious now, there is some wild shit that happens in this fucking movie, some good laughs, some actual really impressively shot scenes, some impressive acting, some wild story points. This movie is just fucking all over the place, man. It's got it all. It really does. I got to look at the Rotten Tomatoes f- for this. I'm going to give the movie a uh, a 6.5 just for goddamn pure joy and entertainment value. It's got a million problems, but it's got a million really impressive things, too. And uh, I just can't take John Lithgow seriously as like a super badass chain smoking fucking guy. And again, I know he plays a decent bad guy in Cliffhanger, but this was too much. Uh, 41% audience score, 61% Rotten Tomato score. And that makes sense. If you're looking to watch a well done movie, a well made movie, and that's like just a good, good movie for like an average viewer, people are going to look at this and be like, this is fucking stupid. What the hell's going on here? This is terrible. But people who appreciate weirdness of cinema, I feel like, would enjoy this. So that's kind of one of those things that does make sense to me. But uh, the overall synopsis on this is Raising Kane doesn't rank with De Palma's best work, but John Lithgow's spellbinding split personality performance makes this thriller hard to dismiss. Um, it, it's spellbinding, that's for sure. Uh, that's, that's for absolutely sure. Peter from Robert Eber.com says raising cane is one for the books, a thrilling, funny, exciting, and creepy exercise in suspense and humor from a master filmmaker firing on all cylinders. And then TV guide staff says De Palma always winds up letting his worst instincts get the better of him. Both of those are true. Tyler Smith says, while film fans might enjoy De Palma's stylistic homages to Hitchcock, it did feel like a weird fucking Hitchcock movie. Uh, and John Lithgow's total commitment to concept and character, there's little else to re- recommend about Raising Kane. And uh, another good one, it's a diabolical idea taken too deliriously absurd dis- extremes by De Palma. I would agree with that as well. So, yeah, man, I recommend watching Raising Kane if you're just in the mood for a weird-ass, strange 90s movie that you want to laugh at with somebody. Um And sometimes you can take it seriously. Like sometimes it's actually a good movie. And then other times you're just fucking cracking up at it, but it's entertaining. And you know, an hour and 35 minutes long, pretty fucking solid. So 6.5 for me, Raisin King. That one's in the hole, Jim. Now we move on to our other movie. And I'm glad we did two because I've already gone on and on about that for like 25 fucking minutes. So maybe two is the sweet spot, but the other movie is one that I've seen multiple times. I've probably seen this one like three times. I saw it once when I was like a kid. I saw it once like six months ago, but I must have been drunk or something because I did not remember that I fucking watched this. And I start watching this for the podcast and I realize I just watched this one night. How fucking drunk was I? But I swear to God, I watched this with Katie, my wife, like it's got to be so like a month ago or some shit like that. But anyway, it's man's best friend. 
We're not talking about a street mud here. We are talking about a million dollar research animal. Thank you, Max. Sweet. See, Max is not your typical dog. He's a genetic crossbreed. Get him, Max! And sight, hearing, strength, stamina, the ability to climb with jaguar-like agility. What I am trying to tell you is that in the right hands, Max can save thousands of lives. But in the wrong hands, it can be a deadly weapon. This movie is a fucking trip too, man. It's hilarious. It's a comedy. It's literally listed, I believe, as a comedy first. On IMDb, 1993, an hour and 27 minutes long, cool hour and 27 minutes long, Man's Best Friend, listed as comedy, horror, and sci-fi, directed by John Lafia, who directed, I fucking wrote this down because it's interesting what this man directed. Child's Play 2. He was the director of Child's Play 2, one of the best Child's Play movies around. Am I right? Uh, and he also directed some of Freddy's Nightmares, the, the, the misguided or I should say underfunded Freddy Krueger television series that did not work out. But yeah, he directed those things. It stars Ali Sheedy, who is just absolutely like one of the most charismatic looking people I've ever seen in my life. When she smiles, you're like, who the fuck is that? I know who that is. And she's the chick from breakfast club. The the weird one who uses dandruff for like salt on her, on her sandwiches and, and eats sandwiches full of Captain crunch. Yeah. She's the little fucking weirdo from uh, breakfast club. And uh, she's also of course in short circuit, but uh, obviously it stars Lance Henriksen who needs no introduction. Lance Henriksen of fucking aliens of fucking pumpkin head. And that's actually the titles of the movie fucking pumpkin head. It's a weird porn I watched and he's got a lovely dick, but no, uh, the great Lance Henriksen, another horror classic under his belt. Robert Constanzo is in this, who was in Die Hard two. He was in total recall. He plays one of the detectives and uh, Frederick Lenhe and Bob Shea actually makes makes an appearance as a mechanic in this, but IMDb says a genetically engineered dog escapes from the science facility where it was created. A family takes it in unaware of its deadly instincts, which soon emerge. The scientist who created the dog tries to find it before it's too late. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a half decent one. My favorite from this is the fucking tagline on the poster. Uh, by the way, it's the it's like all blurry and shit on the poster because they didn't size the image of the dog right says nature created him science perfected him but no one can control him (laughs) man's best friend this is i probably enjoy watching this better than cujo you guys this is a fun little fucking movie so what happens is the movie starts out and there's this ali shitty plays uh it sounds like i'm playing saying ali shitty ali shitty plays a reporter who never gets no damn respect so she's gonna go get her own stories damn it and she breaks into this facility where at the start of the movie, the girl who was going to help her break in for like $500 or something like that gets eaten. She's walking around this lab and something eats her. You know, it's the dog. You don't see it happening yet. You just see this crazy scene where this woman's getting eaten. And this movie, by the way, is the epitome of 90s filmmaking. It's just got it all over it. I mean, it just drips in 90s fucking wildness. You see her get eaten. And she, at the time, she's listening to this. She's learning Spanish, right? So she's got these headphones on, and she's listening to it. And it'll say the American word and then the Spanish word. And as she dies, when when the, the rattling finally settles down, you hear, goodbye, adios. <laughs> it's fucking perfect timing. It's beautiful. So 
they sneak in this place and they notice in this place there's monkeys with like their brains hanging out there's all these awful disgusting experiments being done on these animals and they're going to crack the case and they're going to film it and all this and they come across the dog they come across max his name is max right i'm not fucking crazy what's the it's got to be max right did i just fucking am i just getting confused with another movie now i'm really scared that the dog's name is not max and i'm freaking out what is the name of the dog in man's best friend That's Max. Okay. Whew, thank God. I was going to feel really fucking stupid. You know, there's like, it's got one of those generic dog names, like Frank or some shit like that. Anyways, if I was on YouTube, there'd be like a thousand comments like, oh my fucking God, his name is Max. But they find Max in this cage and it's this big, beautiful motherfucking dog. He's like a Siberian Mastiff or some shit like that. I can't remember the, the type of dog he is, but he looks like a, a fuzzy Rottweiler. I mean, he's just fucking adorable. It's like Beethoven mixed with a Rottweiler. And he's such a good boy. I mean, I just want to pet him so bad. He reminds me of my dog, Thor. And he's, the dog's all sweet to her and nice and shit to her. And they get chased out. But they take the dog with them. The dog ends up going with them when they're chased out of there. When Lance Henderson shows up. And, and Lance Henderson's the guy who runs this fucked up lab that does all these mean-ass experiments on these, on, these, on these animals. And he chases him out. And he's like, oh, shit. They got my dog. Uh we're in big fucking trouble now. So he goes, he calls the cops. He, that's when he gets up with the detectives and Lance Hendrickson, although he plays the bad guy in this, he has, and it's such a, sometimes the movie's corny and sometimes it's funny, but Lance Henderson has the best fucking coolest, most badass lines in this movie. He just sounds cool when he, when he fucking talks and you take him dead ass seriously. And the, the cops are trying to give him shit and ribbon. like, it's a dog, dude. What are you, what are you worried about? And he's like, you don't understand. He's like, that dog has been genetically modified and it's extremely dangerous. And when, when it's the things that we've done to that dog kick in, he's like, you don't understand that dog understands English. It's been, it's got all these modified programs. It can do all this crazy shit. And it can too. The dog literally pisses acid. When the dog takes a piss on like a fire hydrant, it melts. He pisses a- acid at one point. There's a guy changing a brake line, and the dog's like, hey, mud, you want to help me out? Why don't you hand me that brake line over there? And the dog goes and, like, picks it up and hands him to him. Like, the dog is smart as shit. The dog has camouflage. They gave it the ability to camouflage. It can literally disappear into its settings. It's so fucking weird and crazy. But anyway, so the dog's a genius, right? And the dog has, like, all this insane like war type of training. Cause they fucked with this dog and done shit to it. But that's basically Lance Henderson. The whole movie is just showing up in the aftermath of the dog. And he's the Dr. Loomis kind of of the movie. He stops and he tells everybody, you need to take it seriously. This isn't a regular dog. And they're all laughing at him. And he's like, you're fucked, buddy. You're real fucked. At one point, the dog kills someone who tries to steal her purse. It chases him down and he like eats him in half. And when the detectives discover the body, Lance Henriksen shows up and he's like, and they're all like, we're going to shoot that fucking dog when we find it. He's out here murdering people. And the guy's like, this guy who preys on the innocent, he was like, you shouldn't shoot him. He doesn't deserve a bullet. He deserves a medal. And he walks off. So he's a bad guy, but he's really fucking cool because he's Lance Henriksen. I mean, that's basically a lot of the movies in his career. But long live Lance Henriksen, man. Just what a fucking badass. No matter what role he's in, he is fucking awesome. And he was in this as well. But back at home, where she takes the dog, 
to her asshole boyfriend, Perry. It gets so fucking weird and awkward, right? Like Perry is this, he's basically, he reminds me of Walter Peck from Ghostbusters. He's this redheaded sort of douchey dude. He's nice enough to her, but he's kind of a prick also. You just tell deep down he's a, he's a real piece of shit. So, and she's, she's just kind of bubbleheaded a little bit. I mean, they, they don't want her to be, they're playing her as like this one type of character. She's, she's kind of dumb because she puts up with this guy's stuff. But anyway, he's like, come on, let's go bang. Let's go fuck. So he wasn't happy about the dog being there. They're banging. The dog gets inside. And the dog's fucking huge, by the way, too. And is looking through the keyhole. And it's awkward, by the way, because the dog is watching them bang. And it's awkward for us to watch them bang, too. But he's just watching. And he thinks that he's hurting her. So the dog goes in. He breaks in. And then that's not the only awkward sex scene that happens in this movie. First off, the dog loves her and listens to her because she saved it from this thing. So he'll do anything for her, but he doesn't trust anybody else, including kids and like people around the neighborhood and stuff like that. But <laughs> the kid takes him to his house and he sees like this collie. He sees a female dog and immediately you could see it in Max's face. Max was like, I'm going to have that. Max wanted to fuck. So later on in the movie, Max gets out and he goes to the dog's house and they actually have a sex scene between two dogs. Like the collie goes inside, gets on the bed and is like bashful and like hiding under the bed. And like the, Max walks in, he's like, yeah, girl, it's on. I mean, I swear to God, he walks over to a boom box, puts in a Shantae CD uh, from the Starbucks sampler and like presses play on like sex music. That, that part doesn't actually happen, but it's so fucking awkward. And then the camera pans out of the house and you hear the dog moaning. He's like, Arr! and the lady across the street's like looking because it's that loud. It's like shaking the neighborhood. They actually made a dog sex scene. Just take that the fuck in. That's the kind of movie we're dealing with here. And the horror scenes are actually not horrific, but like fucked up like semi-gory kind of fucked up there's another scene where max chases a cat up a tree and they're like everybody hates that cat he's such a jerk he scratches me all the time max max chases it up up the tree and unhinges his fucking jaw and it's so cool how they shot this it looks max doesn't look real but the cat looks real because the cat is real he, he and unhinges his dog and like swallows the cat fucking hole and the cat's like fighting to get out of it the way they did that was they took the tree sideways. They took a log, filmed it that way, and just pulled the cat through like this thing that they built to look like Max. But it's really cool looking. Really fucked up to watch, too. I mean, you will get tickled to shit while you're watching this dog swallow a cat whole. And the kids are like, I didn't do shit, man. I didn't see nothing. So dumb shit, crazy shit like that keeps happening. Uh, he kills a mailman in a fucking hilarious scene, which reminds me of uh, Friday. He was like, that dog, take a bite out of your ass. The mailman's like walking. He's thinking he's badass because he's got mace and he maces him. And then the dog eats him and kills him. So the dog's racking up quite the body count. And eventually they take him to this um, junkyard because she knows she's going to have to get rid of him because they're, they're hot on the dog's tail. And if she doesn't, they're going to experiment on him more and all that shit like that. But she takes him to a, a junkyard and the guy who's the fucking guy that plays him we've seen him in a bunch of shit and i meant to look this up beforehand so my apologies william sanderson is the junkyard dude he was in blade runner last man standing true blood deadwood he's been in a bunch of shit i've seen i, I i'm not really finding exactly what it was in that i saw him but he's a really good actor and he's creepy as shit but as soon as she leaves he starts torturing the dog and he takes like a blowtorch to the dog's face so the dog goes crazy eats him in an awesome scene and then the dog's on the loose goes back to the house and the boyfriend 
the dog had chewed on the the boyfriend's brake line and his brakes run out and he knows he's he's put it together this dog's fucking smart so he's gonna kill him so he puts rat poison in a bunch of dog meat and tries to feed it to the dog and when max smells it it's such a badass scene it's so cool because he, he tries to give him this raw meat and most dogs would just go to town on it and be fucking dead but max is smarter than that Max smells it and just his eyes look up and he starts growling. And it's just such a badass scene. He eats him, but in such a cool, like, I don't know if Cujo did anything this scary or cool. The guy hides in the closet and Max bursts through the wood and like the glass in the closet kills him and then drags or it doesn't kill him yet. Drags him out and then pisses acid blood pisses. (laughs) I feel like Nicolas Cage. You can make me piss blood. He pisses acid onto his face and murders him with acid piss. Uh, amidst all the stuff I'm telling you guys, there's so many funny fucking scenes in this. Like at one point, Lance Henderson starts to go off in the police, you know, room. And they're like, hey, you can't do that shit in here. And there's a bunch of just good one-liners and quotes and funny shit from the movie. I, it, it works as a comedy. It works as as an, one of the Animal Gone Crazy movies, like a Cujo or something like that. It totally works for that stuff. And by the end of the movie, shit just goes full on ham. The dog is jumping over police cars. And that's the only time it actually really looks bad because it's this awful green screen. And the dog jumps over like two cars at once. Uh, He camouflages when hiding from some dog catchers uh, and some dumb shit like that. Just some really just fucking wild ass scenes in this movie. Totally recommend Man's Best Friend. It's such an entertaining. By the end, the the chase scene that goes on with the dog and Lance Henriksen and the girl, and they get a puppy named Spike, and it's there, and they're back at the lab. And eventually, you know, you can imagine what happens. It's not really a spoiler. Um, they get the main dude killed. They they kill Lance Henriksen, who turns out to be a real piece of shit. And he's like firing a shotgun at the dog, and he hits the dog and kills the dog but also flies through a window and onto this electrical cage. And then the puppy playing with the power outlet plugs it in and electrocutes him. And that's how he dies. But the physical shots that they got in, in this are actually pretty cool. What they got the dog to do was fucking beyond amazing. One of the best dog actors I've seen, and they use five different dogs for this pretty underrated what they got this dog to do, honestly, and the special effects and the practical effects that they used here. So, I mean, if you're, if you like animal horror movies and you have not seen man's best friend, or if you like Lance Henriksen and you just like strange little nineties horror movies, especially the fun lighthearted, but also weirdly dark ones, you got to see man's best friend. For me, this movie's a solid seven. I really enjoy it. Uh, you know, fucking, I'm going to go 7.5. I like it that goddamn much. I think it's underrated as hell. It's silly. Yeah. It's a silly fucking premise to begin with, but it's a well put together movie, man. I really enjoy it a lot. And I totally recommend watching it for sure. At the end of the movie, you find out. So the bad guy's dead. The bad dog is dead. Allie's shitty boyfriend is dead. And it's just her and her puppy, Spike, who's this tiny little guy. And all of a sudden, we pan back to the house, and there's puppies. And the collie had puppies. And all of them are these little white doggies playing. And then in the bed, looking evil as shit, is a black puppy version of Max. So if they wanted to do sequels, they could have. With this crazy murderous fucking dog. But yeah, man's best friend, man. You got to see it. You got to watch it. It'll make for a great commentary to do on the main channel someday with Jay. We'll definitely have to do that. But that is, my friends, this week's episode of I See Dead Movies. Thank you all so much. This is only its third episode. It's already a few people already listened to it, which is really fucking cool. Uh, I would love to know in the comments below whether it's on Patreon or it's on wherever you listen to your podcast at. Uh, there will be a link to the Patreon so you can check out the video version and 
you know, communicate with each other on there or in the comments or whatever. I would love to know um, some movies you guys would like to see done, what you think of the show so far, the premise of it, all that shit like that. And if you can review the podcast as a whole, we both really appreciate it. That helps get our numbers up and get us showing out there and stuff or share it. If you want to share one of these episodes, that would help a super big bunch. Um, but it would be cool if we got it big enough to where we could share thoughts on these movies afterwards. If we had like a hub where we could do that. So I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to have to think about that. But yeah, other than that, I love your all's fucking faces as always. And thanks for uh, listening to I See Dead Boobies. I mean movies. No one wants to see dead boobies. And if you do, I don't want you listening to this show. Let's be honest. Uh, You guys have an awesome fucking day. We'll see you soon.